You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Some scathing remarks made by the officer in charge of the Surrey RCMP are making waves tonight. The city's current top cop is not holding back about the criticism his department has faced as Surrey transitions to a municipal force. And as John Waugh reports, he challenges any other jurisdiction in the country to do better. With the Surrey RCMP seemingly with one foot out the door... Let me get this off my chest. <laughs> the city's top cop decided to let off some steam. If I have to listen to one more ex-chief of police on life support or some fallen from grace former public official, I am going to snap. Officer in charge Dwayne McDonald calling out those who question the integrity of his members at a policing awards gala held by the Surrey Board of Trade. The event last night presented an opportunity for uh, the, the chief of police to really indicate what he wa was feeling, the frustration. McDonald declined to offer more context to his comments in an interview, but states they had nothing to do with Surrey's mayor and council or the transition to a municipal police force. And I love the criticism too. You'd think we're still riding horses or we're in patrol cabins. Well, McDonald was no doubt standing up for the quality of the Surrey Mounties, he alluded to the quantity as well. And I would challenge any other large city in this country to police with the resources that we do and do a better job. Many Surrey residents would say it's always been about more boots on the ground, with the ratio of police officers to population much lower than cities like Vancouver. But finding the will to make it happen, an exercise in frustration. I wish he would have said it earlier. I wish more people in our community would be more vocal about it. With Surrey Mayor Doug McCallum's plan to transition to a municipal force only adding a marginal amount of new officers, some hope McDonald's frank comments will reignite the debate. Let's focus on any inefficiencies we have with the RCMP, and it's not over until it's over. As gun violence continues to surge in the city and public cries for better protection seem to remain handcuffed by politics, the man currently in charge of policing seems to have had enough. If you want more boots on the ground, give me more boots. John Hua, Global News. A 23-year-old man has now been charged in a homicide in Vancouver's West End last month. A warning, some of the images you're about to see may be disturbing. Yashin Rasid was arrested on unrelated charges in a dramatic police takedown. A day after he allegedly fought with the victim, 29-year-old Kyle Vincent Gabriel. Police say the two men who knew each other had been in an altercation at a home on Pendrell Street. Gabriel later succumbed to his injuries in hospital. Rashid, who's been in custody since his arrest, is charged with second-degree murder. Metro Vancouver commuters could be facing a transit strike after nearly 5,000 bus drivers and C-bus captains voted overwhelming and overwhelmingly in favor of taking job action. They've been without a contract since the end of March, and Jordan Armstrong has the latest on when they could walk out. UBC, end of the line for North America's busiest bus corridor. For thousands here, transit is their main set of wheels. How would you get here, if not the bus? Ooh, I'd probably have to drive. That might be a bit of a, a bit of a hassle. Could be an inconvenience on the students, but we have to consider both sides. The two sides in this dispute are far apart, and now the union representing 5,000 bus and sea bus workers has a near unanimous vote from its members, favoring possible job action within 90 days. 
the last thing we want to do is have any impact on the public. These are the union's main issues. Yes, wages are highlighted. But Unifor claims the biggest complaints are the growing pains of a successful transit system. Buses are packed, and drivers, they say, get little downtime. The passengers are getting more and more frustrated, and the drivers are getting more and more slowed down as people are trying to load the buses, and there's just not enough recovery time built in for them to take care of bodily functions. No one from Coast Mountain would speak on camera, but in a statement said the company remains committed to reaching what it calls an acceptable negotiated settlement, adding the two sides will continue bargaining in the coming days. Right now, the Sunday Morning News with Jill Kropp. Our top story this morning, a full-blown transit strike is now underway in both Vancouver and Victoria. It's been 18 years since the last strike, one that dragged on nearly four months and only ended when the province ordered employees back to work. Skytrain workers are part of a different union, but they too are in the midst of contract negotiations. There's a potential that uh, they could step up as well, and uh, if that was the case, you wouldn't just have bus service down, you could potentially have Skytrain down. He says the public will get 72 hours notice of any job action. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. Delta police are sharing dash cam footage of a dangerously close call that could have had deadly consequences. Take a look. You can see a driver quickly cutting across three lanes of traffic on Highway 17, then making another quick lane change from the far right to the middle lane, just missing a police officer who had pulled over another vehicle to the side of the road. Well, the registered owner of that vehicle was issued a $368 ticket for driving without due care and attention. And you'd think thieves would try to avoid them altogether. But Langley RCMP say they are actually seeing more cases of stolen surveillance cameras. This video was captured by cameras at a home in the Willoughby neighborhood. The thief walks up to the house, tears down one of the cameras, stuffs it in a pocket and takes off. The ordeal recorded by both the stolen wireless camera and another unit. The homeowners say the stolen equipment was worth about $500. Police say they've had three reports of camera theft from the area. Not long ago, B.C. had a lot to brag about when it came to job creation, but we are starting to fall behind. For the fourth straight month, the province has recorded job losses. Sarah McDonald has the latest figures and which industries are most feeling the crunch. At this plumbing supply warehouse in Burnaby, business is good these days. So good, in fact, there aren't enough workers to fill every vacant job. Literally, I'm going nonstop from the time I start till the time I go home. But according to new numbers released by Stats Canada on Friday, this sector is one of the prosperous ones in a province shedding jobs at a rapid pace. And the data is alarming. 84,000 jobs lost in B.C. in September. The fourth consecutive month of sliding numbers on the West Coast, as 54,000 jobs were created nationally. Critics say taxation is a major factor. Since the NDP got elected, they have introduced or increased 19 separate taxes. That has a huge impact on the economy and a huge impact on employers wanting to hire. To workers in struggling sectors, these numbers come as no surprise. Sawmill and logging sectors staging a massive convoy last month. Loggers sending an urgent message to government officials who say those slumping sectors are actually an anomaly on a provincial scale. 
the economy is not shrinking. It's growing in almost all sectors with one or two exceptions, and those are due to global market forces. Hit the hardest last month provincially, the information, culture and resource sectors, losing some 15,000 jobs. The service sector also shrinking, with roughly 5,400 jobs gone in one month. For example, cashiers. You go to Walmart, you see the automated tills everywhere. Um, they're constantly getting rid of staff in favor of automation. The transportation and warehousing industries only bolstered by that same technology for now, with BC's unemployment rate still dipping as a whole, though slightly, to just under 5%, the lowest in the country alongside Quebec. Sarah McDonald, Global News. And we just want to clarify that it was 8,400 jobs lost in BC in September, not 84,000, so 8,400 jobs in BC. Now, with just 10 days left until Election Day, a number of advanced polling stations are now up and running. Polling stations will be open from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. through this weekend and Thanksgiving Monday. To vote, you need to present your voter identification card or either one piece of government-issued photo ID or two pieces of ID with the voter's name on it, at least one of which has the address. It is expected that up to 20% of Canadian voters will cast an early ballot. Now, on the campaign trail, both Andrew Scheer and Jagmeet Singh released details today about their costed platforms. Let's bring in Keith Baldry with more. And Keith, we've known about the new Democrats' promises, but this is the first real look at the Conservatives' fiscal plan. Yeah, they released uh, Andrew Shear standing on a beach in Tawasson today. Beautiful sunny day there. Released a 100-plus page uh, costed platform from the budgetary parliament, parliamentary budget office signing off on the items. Uh, and needless to say, the Conservatives very much about pairing costs and reducing the size of government. The NDP quite the opposite. So here's some of the numbers uh, picked out of the 100-page document. First of all, the Conservatives, the only party to promise a budget surplus in their electoral cycle, a budget surplus by the fifth year. A uh, number of taxation char uh, changes, including elimination of the carbon tax and introducing a whole bunch of new tax credits. The Conservatives say they want to put more money in your wallet, but it also cutting spending, $18 billion cut in infrastructure spending, and the cuts don't stop there. They're going to continue over five years. $22 billion cut in government core services over that time as they try to balance the budget. And finally, a pledge to end the tanker ban on B.C.'s north coast. So it's not just about money with the Conservatives. There's also policies such as that. Now, the NDP, quite the opposite uh, approach here from Jagmeet Singh, $35 billion in new spending over a number of years. That's offset, though, by $30 billion in new revenue. Some of that spending, $10 billion for a new national pharmacare plan, similar, I suppose, in scope and size to the promised one from the Liberals. A $1.9 billion dental care plan that will get cheaper as time goes on. $5 billion to build affor new affordable housing in Canada. And finally, there's going to be a tax increase, at least one a three-point increase in corporate income taxes. So those are the two-party platforms. Everybody's got their platforms out now, as you mentioned off the top, 10 days until voting day. The polls suggest everything's still pretty tight and all sorts of crazy scenarios are being entertained out there. Who knows how this is going to end? Well, we'll find out probably <laughs> on October 21st. But stranger things <laughs> yeah. have happened. Keith, thank you. On the topic of strange things, Justin Trudeau also campaigning in Metro Vancouver today. He was in Surrey this afternoon but suffered a momentary lapse remembering exactly where. Thank you, the Uh, the Liberal leader becoming a bit confused there, thanking UBC as he departed a campaign event at the Surrey campus 
of Simon Fraser University. He laughed off the mistake, as did many of the students. He was there to talk about making education more affordable for students. All right, former Baywatch star Pamela Anderson getting involved with the federal election campaign, too. Yeah, he's a hard worker. He's the best. Ms. Anderson out and about in her hometown of Ladysmith today, stumping with Green Party candidate Paul Manley, who's running for re-election. A global animal rights and environmental advocate, Anderson is keen to lend her support to the Greens and to Manley, who is a longtime friend. The Green Party is light years ahead when it comes to the climate crisis and, and social issues. And so I think those are the two biggest things that I'm concerned about, and so that's why I support the Green Party. But first, though, some sad news about BC mountain bike legend Jordy Lund. He died doing what well, he loved. you got to do something new and unique. The 26-year-old apparently passed away after a crash while trail riding in Mexico Wednesday. We oh. have featured Lund on our newscast before, and he's known for taking things to the extreme. You'll probably remember this ride down a 20-meter ramp built down a tree trunk on Vancouver Island. His friends say he will always be cherished for the love he gave to his family, friends and fans. Dozens of horses living at a Vancouver Island rescue ranch are desperately in need of new homes. The facility is closing and as Kylie Stan reports, the woman who has poured her heart and soul into taking care of the animals is hoping there are people willing to step in and adopt them. First thing in the morning I come in, mix up mashes which takes about half an hour, 35 minutes. Fill water buckets at a half an hour. Takes about four hours a day to do stalls. Every day for the past four years, this has been Rebecca Sanish's routine. It's crazy. On her own time, and often her own dime, she's given everything to this project. Can I have kisses? The Humanity for Horses Foundation. When I think about how special each one is, they don't deserve to be so let down. Young, old. Willow is nine, Pogo is 34. And everything in between. Come on, Sunday, you gonna come say hi? Sanish rescues horses at auction, bound for slaughter. Had she not outbid meat buyers who wanted them, the vast majority would have been transported by plane to Japan under terrible conditions. In total, she's saved. 398. But now, that's coming to an end. I'm too tired. I'm physically exhausted, emotionally, financially. On top of that, Sanish says she's become the victim of repeated online threats, harassment, phone calls, even vandalism to the property. So that was kind of the last straw for me. Now she's focusing on rehoming the 30 animals still here to continue to give them that second chance they so deserve. We just want the permanent forever home and to see that spark and one more move and that's it. In the meantime, Sanish is hoping to raise funds online to continue to feed them all, currently pegged at a cost of $200 per day. While she is committed to staying open until every last horse is adopted, saying goodbye isn't the hardest part. Hi River, how are you? It's never being able to say hello again. I don't regret doing it. And I would do it all over again if I could. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Duncan. An emotional reunion at Vancouver International Airport for a mother and her two sons who haven't seen each other for more than a year and a half. 
Iranian-Canadian Miriam Mombani and her sons tried to leave Iran in March of 2018 after her husband was arrested and accused of espionage. He died in an Iranian prison. The sons were allowed to leave, but she was detained. The brothers have been pressuring the Canadian government to bring her home. But at this point, it's not certain whether Ottawa was actually involved in her return. A UBC student has used his engineering skills and a lot of determination to help his brother get around a lot better. The elder sibling lives with muscular dystrophy and he lost the ability to operate his electric wheelchair manually. But as Linda Aylesworth reports, he's back in control thanks to his younger brother's ingenuity. This is a story about brotherly love. He is one of the best, if not the best, big brother. Michael, seven years younger than Daniel, always looked up to his big brother. He took a lot of care for me when we were younger. When we would go to the parks, he'd always take me along too. What he didn't understand was that Daniel, invincible in his eyes, was slowly losing the use of his muscles. He had muscular dystrophy. The first muscles that kind of deteriorated the most were his leg muscles, so he needed the wheelchair by the age of eight. But life goes on. In time, Michael enrolled in UBC's engineering physics program and learned skills he would use to change Daniel's life. I wanted to really do something for my brother. And so I built a mechanical device with electrical connections that could c control my brother's wheelchair. Okay, I'm going to put the headset on. Yep. Daniel needs a tailor-made voice-activated device because his physical abilities are rapidly deteriorating. He can no longer use his arms or hands, and his speech has been reduced to syllables. I call it Ava. Uh, it's named after a movie character in our favorite movie, Wally. A A S. Try saying Ava a little bit louder. It's early days, and there's still bugs to be worked out. Even so, for Daniel... Just having that freedom just to go around the house whenever he wants to, when he's on the chair, I think it brings him great joy as well. And for Michael, the ability to give back to his brother, who for so long cared for him... It really feels amazing just because my brother means the world to me. I think it really shows that whatever has happened in the past, uh, we can always live today to the fullest, and we can always hope for a better tomorrow. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Oh, that is a great story. Wow. Well done. Mm -hmm. All right, we are edging closer to Halloween, and, of course, that means it's time for a visit to the pumpkin patch. And Christy Gordon knows where you can find the perfect pumpkin out in Surrey. Christy, tell us about where you're at tonight. Chris, so we're at the Fleetwood area in Surrey, and I'll tell you, this is the cutest pumpkin patch in all of the area, right off of Highway 15. This is Ron of Ron Dresio, and I'm, Chris, he's 6'7", so he has it on you, that's for <laughs> sure. Ron, thanks for having us here. Um, it's been a pretty good year for pumpkins. Tell us about it. Uh, it's been great. We had uh, the right amount of precipitation during the summertime, so we didn't have to worry about any irrigation, so it's, we got good population numbers, good size, yeah, know, good really color good. on them. Yeah. So no, can't ask for any better. And it's going to be a great weekend to come and pick pumpkins. Tell us what people can do when they come down to your farm. Uh, it's, you can, if you want, you can walk down to the field or you can take a hay wagon ride down to the field. Uh, we got our barn full of cows, so you can go check out the fat, the cows, maybe feed them a little bit. We got some chickens and then we also got our general store on the farm where all the products that we produce on the farm, we sell them from the store. So you can grab all your Thanksgiving veggies and stock up and yeah. 
Awesome. And I'll tell you, there's a ton of pumpkins to pick from here. Highly worthwhile to come down here. Uh, Ron is saying they keep it simple here on the farm. Not a lot of fancy stuff. Just come down, pick out your veggies, pick out your pumpkin, and you're good to go. All right. I'll be back a little bit later, guys. I've picked out pumpkins for each of you, and I think you're going to like them. Oh, I look forward to seeing it. Does that mean we have to carve them? I think we do. Okay. <laughs> it's a duty. Police in England arrest a man suspected in a series of stabbings in a shopping mall in Manchester. Several people were injured, but luckily there were no fatalities. The man was arrested on terrorism charges. Police say he appears to have acted alone. A fast-moving wildfire pushed by the Santa Ana winds has driven 100,000 people from their homes in Southern California. Freeways have become parking lots as the Saddle Ridge fire has forced the closure of a number of major highways. Elsewhere, firefighters are trying to save homes and communities. In the foothills of Los Angeles, a wind-fueled firestorm racing through canyons and raining embers onto neighborhoods and prompting a non-stop battle with Mother Nature to keep flames at bay. Here in the hills above Los Angeles, it is an all-out fight to protect these homes. In the sky, a dangerous air attack swooping in just above the fiery ridges as some residents tried to join in the fight themselves while all others could do was pray. Holy Mary, Mother of God! The smoke and panic also spooking animals as 100,000 people rushed to evacuate. At one point, an NBC Los Angeles cameraman even rescuing a little puppy. Come here. This is your dog, right? That's my dog. What's the name of the dog? There you go. He was our puppy. In all that chaos, two separate fires claiming two lives. One in the community of Cali Mesa, destroying more than 70 mobile homes. 100 miles west, the so-called Saddle Ridge Fire starting in Silmar, growing quickly by the mile and leaving family homes in ruin. The Multani family watched their home of almost 30 years go up in flames. children born here. We have all the memories of the family. For every house destroyed, entire blocks are still standing. They saved, like, my grandma's house up there, and thanks to them, you know, we're okay. Those fortunate enough to be spared, grateful to the fire crews that stood their ground. For me, those were the angels. The firefighters were yes, the angels? Yes, And in Japan, they are bracing for the arrival of Typhoon Hagibis, which is expected to make landfall tomorrow. Japan's meteorological agency is warning of record rain, possible mudslides and flooding across wide areas, disrupting the Rugby World Cup. Games have been canceled and so have hundreds of international and domestic flights. The agency says Hagibis could inflict damage equal to the 1958 typhoon that left more than 1,200 people dead or missing. In Health Matters tonight, children and families in the Fraser Health region will no longer have to travel to Vancouver for some specialist appointments. And how are things going on that new dose? Abbotsford and Chilliwack hospitals are now part of the province-wide virtual health initiative. It connects pediatric patients with specialists at BC Children's Hospital via video conference, saving time and improving the overall experience. The stress for both Caitlin and myself trying to get through traffic. I mean, we come from Mission, so it takes us up to two and a half hours to get out to Children's Hospital. And then we have to, you know, like pay for the parking, get to the appointment. And lots of times we end up being late for the appointment. It pushes it back. So, you know, it's lovely. It's going to be a great thing. It's going to be great for families. I think that for um, young people and children, this is probably 
completely natural to them because they may not have known anything else. Um, and I think it's the rest of us who are trying to get used to it and catch up. Fraser Health is hoping to expand the program to two other communities in the near future. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. And then we just need to grab you a hat. I've got yeah, it. So oh. Paul Fair is about to celebrate his 100th birthday by doing something a lot of people his age wouldn't dream of. We'll have that story for you right after the forecast. But just ahead of Christie's forecast, a look at the early winter they're struggling through in North Dakota. Oh, that's nasty. It's not better in Manitoba either. Blizzard conditions are reported around the state and forecast to last through tomorrow, with some areas expecting as much as 45 centimeters of snow and wind gusts of nearly 90 kilometers an hour. A no-travel alert is in effect across the north and south-central parts of the state. That yeah. is terrible. But the pumpkin patch looks great, and we'll get to Christy at the pumpkin patch very quickly. But right now, let's check in on the 100th birthday that's yes. really falling out of the sky. Well, to say that Paul Fair has an indomitable spirit would be an understatement. Ten years ago, Global News was with him as he celebrated his 90th birthday by skydiving. So, ten years later, he's marked his 100th birthday the same way. And once again, we went along for the ride. Jill Bennett has the story. If you ask this centenarian his secret to longevity, the answer is simple. Take it easy. It's skydiving is taking it easy? You betcha. <laughs> Paul Fair will celebrate his 100th birthday on Sunday. Decades ago, he was a pilot. All right, Paul, going up, give me the thumbs up. Yeah. Ten years ago, he gathered his family and took his first step outside of an airplane. Following that skydive, he vowed to come back in 10 years. And that's exactly what he did with some of the same supporters in tow. You get your cone head? Yeah. It's going to be so much fun. Mm -hmm. I hope you have a soft landing. Uh, hips forward, head right back. You're still holding onto your harness. Well, and with that, it's off to the plane, headed for 10,000 feet. We're about halfway up now. How are you feeling? Yeah, you ready for this? No nerves or second thoughts here, and after a few minutes of breathtaking views, that soft landing everyone was hoping for. Nice one. Perfect, just like that, my friend. There you are, Paul. So what was the best part? All of it. All of it. <laughs> was it fun? Oh, gosh, yes. Not long enough, though. He did excellent up there. He was having the time of his life, I think. Which birthday do you want to go again? Another 10 years. That will give Paul a chance to break the record for the oldest person to skydive, currently held by a 102-year-old. Jill Bennett, Global News. Oh, well, competition never gets old, I guess. <laughs> That's a very good line. I bet we're doing it 10 years from now, too, for him. Okay, let's check in with Christy, who's in the pumpkin patch. Uh, beautiful spot on a nice mm -hmm. evening, although a little crisp out there, I bet, Christy. 
Not as bad as it was last night, that's for sure, Chris. Uh, the pumpkin patch is now closed, but it was so busy earlier, and you'll know behind me, we're in the upper area now where there's lots of pumpkins, a general store, and it's open from uh, 11 till 6 on weekends, including holidays, and 3 to 6 on weekdays, and I highly recommend it. Let's talk about the weather. It has been crisp, but today was slightly warmer. Only two records broken today are one tied at minus 5 in Castlegar and the other one in Port Alberni. Uh, in Metro Vancouver, we dropped down to 2 degrees, so we were weren't in the freezing stage, although there was a little bit of frost out there this morning. That won't be the case tonight, down to 5 degrees. Lots of blue sky, though, today. It has been so that some of the colors are starting to come out in the trees, which is great. And then thank you to everyone who shares the great photos with us. We are in for a change, though, this weekend. There is a front pushing down, but it's weakening as it does, so we'll see cloud cover across southern BC. Other than in on Sunday morning, there's a chance of showers inland, flurries over higher terrain. That's Sunday morning, everyone. Otherwise, you can expect just a bit of cloud cover and mainly dry conditions this weekend, except for your holiday Monday, everyone. A nice mix of sun and clouds, so you'll be able to enjoy some sunshine, maybe go for a walk with the family before you dig into that turkey dinner. Now, here's a look at your forecast for Saturday. We will see showers in the morning across the north, showers in the afternoon across the south, and mainly cloudy for the south coast region. And once again, mainly cloudy through the weekend with just a slight chance of showers. And then Sunday or Monday is when we'll see a mix of sun and cloud. I want to show you our pumpkins, everyone. This one on the left is Chris, and then Squire, <laughs> and then that one's for you, Sophie. Is it a green the, pumpkin? Oh. The relative size uh, is accurate, Christy. And the very curvaceous, Sophie. Oh, well, thank <laughs> you, Christy. <laughs> very cool. Thanks a lot. And, uh, and nice to the folks out there at, uh, at that place to let us hang out for an, uh, for an evening. I think I'm blushing. Yeah. Watch the Global News and 980 CKNW Leadership Series every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday on BC One. Presented by Fortis BC. Energy at work. All right. I'm very curious to see how, how he's going to read this with all the missing letters. Doesn't matter. No, because it's all up here. I know. I, listen, if my script was read by other people, it would sound like you were speaking oh, wow. a completely different language that nobody else knows. But I know the language, and I know how to translate it. So here we go. Since we're all about the anniversary and the memories for the Vancouver Canucks 50th season, something this team has never done in its history, ever, is draft a great defenseman, an unofficial count by moi. The Canucks have drafted in both the entry draft and the old supplemental draft, which is not around anymore, 133 defensemen from 1970 until now. No superstars. Some good defensemen. Matthias Olin was a good pick, Alex Edler, but not a great defenseman, especially a great offensive defenseman. Maybe, just maybe, Quinn Hughes is the breakthrough because he has shown some of the signs already. Here's Pearson to the line. Hughes scores! First career NHL goal. Quinn Hughes makes it 1-0. Quinn Hughes turns 20 on Monday, but one of his last acts as a teenager was scoring his first career NHL goal. The play had all of the traits that has the Canucks and their fans giddy with excitement for the future. It started with a flashy pass to Adam Gaudet, and then moments later, Hughes fired home a goal he'll never forget. He's played just eight NHL games, but you can see the confidence starting to grow. I feel more comfortable, um, but that doesn't mean 
you know, I couldn't be uh, dash three tomorrow night. Like, I got to keep my feet on the ground, you know, keep doing what's been making me successful and, um, you know, just keep playing my game. Besser, Hughes, to Tanev, he scores! That game is already dynamic. His on-ice vision is elite, and his teammates get a close-up view every day of this kid's skill set. Adam Gaudet found out firsthand on that cheeky pass that led to Hughes' first NHL goal. It's funny, we got back to the bench and everybody said they saw it coming, and um, you know, I just jumped up because I, I knew he could make that play, and he made a great play there, and then... You know, we got his first goal. It was awesome. He's pretty shifty with the puck, and uh, he moves side to side laterally so quick. So uh, he's a tough guy to, uh, even in practice, to forecheck on. He's, he's pretty, uh, as we call, slippery. Hughes won't intimidate the opposition with his size. At 5'10", 170, he's small. But paired with Chris Tanev, Travis Green has trusted Hughes to play against the top lines. And with a plus-one rating, he's done more than a decent job. Yeah, it feels really good just to know that they trust me and... Um, for me, I just got to keep building that trust and, um, you know, keep getting better. There's a lot of good players in the league and, um, you know, it's fun to go up against really good players. And for me, I just, like I said, I just got to keep growing my game. Wait till he's 23, 24 when he's played two, three, four years in the league and he, and he understands it even better than he does now. He's going to be a, he already is a very good player and he's only going to become better. A lot of young hockey fans don't realize that this man was just not the guy who started the donut chain. Mm -hmm. Tim Horton was a very, very good defenseman. Unfortunately, died in a car accident when he was a Buffalo Sabre, had his number retired. Sabres against the uh, Panthers. And of course, the Sabres are in their 50th season, too. Whoa! Marco Scandella nearly scores and then stops it from going in his own net. But later, he would get the idea, yes... I'm, also, I'm supposed to score in the net where the guy with the white uniform is standing. And he does. Right here. Nice pass from Kyle Opozo. 1-0 in the third. Actually, now it's 2-2 in the third period. Buffalo and Florida. The old Monty Python line, I'm not dead yet, certainly applies to the BC Lions. If they were a video game character, they'd be very low on health, and one more body blow would end the game. But if they win their final three and Edmonton loses its final three, the Lions will be in. And they play in Edmonton tomorrow. And the Eskimos are injury-riddled and they're not playing well. It's a chance for Mike Riley to get some redemption since he hasn't really played the Eskimos well since leaving there as a free agent. Couldn't care less about the storyline. and That doesn't mean anything to me. What matters to me is our guys continue to play the type of football that we've been playing and, and improve on that. You know, the two times that we played Edmonton this year, uh, we didn't play very well at all. And, uh, you know, they, they played not just better but way more physical than us. So, um, you know, get a, another opportunity to play against them and, uh, and make sure that, uh, you know, we come out and put a, together a better performance. I think as long as he's back there, they always have a chance to win. I mean, just the, the way he is, the way he plays the game, the way he goes about his business, he's about as professional as there is, and, you know, um, he's a tough competitor. So as long as you have 13 back there, you always have a chance. And, you know, I know they, they felt that way probably throughout. I think Mike Riley stole Steve Buscemi's wardrobe from Boardwalk Empire. Uh, this is game one, Nationals and Cardinals, or if you like, Expos and Cardinals. Uh, Jan Gomes scoring Howie Kendrick with the first run in this game. It's 1-0 in the fifth for Washington over St. Louis. There you go. 
Coming up on ET Canada, who's the mystery woman dating Liam Hemsworth? We have the details. Plus, Anne Hathaway is looking for romance while Dwayne Johnson is heading to the jungle. That's coming up at 7, right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris and Sophie. Thank you very much. Thank you, Da. All right, here's Squire, Satellite Debris. I'm very thankful on this Thanksgiving weekend that we have Satellite Debris. So am I. <laughs> I am too. Uh, yeah. uh, so today, we're going to start off with a few um, sports things. And the first thing, I've actually had this for a few weeks. I just haven't had a chance to show it to you. Uh, this is one of these live interviews during a NCAA women's softball game. Mm -hmm. The coach is saying, I don't know what he's saying, because no one's paying attention to him. What everybody is pay paying attention to is his catcher behind him. Watch. Approach have you seen from them today in this winner-take-all game? I just feel like we're back to normal here today. Um, you know, I feel like our bats, we've kind of been grinding here. It uh, wasn't so hot in that last one. Uh, we got to get her timed up, but uh, just felt like the approach has been uh, pretty good. Uh, Sam's been good out here. We're making some, uh, some plays, and both teams are playing like it's the last game. You know, I mean, you got to win to advance. Her teammates just revere her. She's just a kid that uh, they just want to play for, play with. Raquel behind you is getting after it, man. She is the uh, team clown. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we just got to uh, love that kid. <laughs> Thanks, Coach. Thanks, guys. All right. Uh, it says here in, uh, that, that you won the Norris Trophy in uh, 2012. Uh, actually, it was like 2013. And everybody 13. wants to know, what is that? <laughs> in Sweden, Leas Anderson. Number 30. That easily could have been. <laughs> See, that should be like 20 after 6. Yeah, that'd be huge. Okay. She was completely in character. Very nice. All right. Uh, you, you like the narwhals. I, and anything well, with a British accent, right? You like animals with English accents? I do. Well, I got you one. Got it all. There we go. Seriously, guys, we haven't made this up. Look. There's one in the Arctic. People call them the unicorns of the sea. But ours is called Humphrey. Hi, Humphrey. What? 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 What are you saying? What? New McFitties? Jaffa cake nipples? Jaffa? What? No way. Come on. on! Come on! Yes! No way! Yes! Yes! Touchdown! That's what Alright! Oh! Corona light. Ditch the herd. Come on, giant. Fuel. 
<laughs> you'll cloven hoof to the side of the head <laughs> with with a uniform on. Still one of my favorite. Okay, so I I guess it was like a month ago we just a uh, commercial about Marmite. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. This is a very polarizing spread, uh, and here is uh, an attempt to turn all the Marmite haters into Marmite lovers mm-hmm. using hypnosis. We created a film so powerful it can turn Marmite haters into lovers. Marmite lover or hater? Hater. Oh, I hate hater. It tastes like bin juice. And we're not allowed to swear. So what do you like on your taste? Jam. Definitely chocolate spread. Do you think this film will work on you? (laughs) It wouldn't happen. That would happen. Imagine Marmite spreading on hot crumpets. Chocolate spread is dead. You will now make a great breakfast choice. Focus on my words when I speak. Open your mind to the possibility that Marmite is not yuck or gross. It does not make you want to hurl. You are beginning to love Marmite. (laughs) Scrummy. <laughs> this is mad. I can't believe this. Scram jam. You can keep your jam. I've wasted my life, really. Is that video legal? That's wrong. Like you've changed me. Marmite is your friend. You've hypnotized me into liking this, and I don't even like them. I'll take it with me. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Love it. You ever tried that stuff? I have it in the cupboard at home. It turns a piece of toast into a roast beef dinner. I love mm. it. Well, that sounds disturbing. <laughs> Happy, Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving.